Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, hosting tonight, and I'm joined on the diamond with uh, with my good friends, uh, John Roberts and Sue Timberlake. Hey there. Say hey, kids. John <laughs> Roberts and Sue Timberlake. Now speaking, center fielder, genre, Roberts, Roberts. (laughs) So uh, uh, we're recording this uh, the day before it airs. It happens to be my birthday. Happy birthday. Yay. Happy birthday. That's fine. (laughs) But it's also opening day, which I'm happy about. Uh, uh, even if the Red Sox Yankees game did get rained out, but whatever. Ooh. Boo. Well, whatever. You know, oh, baseball. They'll still play. Baseball. Yeah. <laughs> the, baseball. If the Yankees like can baseball. wait to get their, their butts kicked. That's fine. Right. Exactly. Get in line, guys. Also to be beaten by bat, by in baseball. This is, this, this is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the start. 162 and 0. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this year yeah. for sure <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh yeah so uh welcome to civil politics uh i uh hope our listeners are doing well uh and if they'd like to i don't know send me birthday uh greetings or excoriations or condemnations or well anything really uh we'd love Evidence to hear from past crimes Right, exactly. <laughs> Against the Yankees. Right. So exactly. we can congratulate him. Yeah, exactly. So uh, <laughs> I don't even you, follow baseball that much. It's just I'm just yeah, from Massachusetts, yeah. so I hate the Yankees. Yeah, well, of course. It's like, I don't know. Like, Condition uh, from birth. Right. Screw the Yankees. What? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> you know, we'll be in the old folks' cubbies. home. We'll be like, uh, oh, I'll the poor you, cubbies. I want to tell you a quick story, and then we can keep going. So uh, – I was in, um, we were going through Albany for some reason. I think we were visiting some friends um, and uh, we had to stop at like a convenience store or something. And someone was talking about baseball and they, they're like, yeah, the Yankees. I was like, yeah, okay. And I actually got into an argument with them. (laughs) You got an argument? I didn't even like, I don't follow baseball that much. I don't know. And, but someone said Yankees and I just got I just was like okay and then they're like what and I'm like what <laughs> you heard me <laughs> That's funny. It was, there was that no reason funny. for it whatsoever it was just instant it was crazy <laughs> this is this is how wars start man it's like you think you don't care but like emotionally you are primed <laughs> it's not even emotional I didn't even know what I was doing until it was too late. <laughs> I, was, I looked at myself I was like, what's happening right now? In my head, I was like, what is going on right now? But I just kept going. 
<laughs> it was weird. <laughs> anyway, if you want to get in touch with us. <laughs> I usually, in situations like that, if people know I'm from Massachusetts and or a Red Sox fan, I usually just say, oh, yeah, 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 sure. I'm, but I'm not religious. You know, <laughs> that usually diffuses things. I think um, I called the, like he was wearing a hat. And I think I, I said, like, you should just get that that poop off your head i don't know <laughs> i'm trying to remember but i'm i'm yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if i said that well if oh, anybody boy. wants to talk about uh uh their favorite baseball team or explain you know why uh, it's not why, the red sox why it's not the red sox well <laughs> why like i can understand why like i can understand why a lot of people might be like oh you know the red sox whatever but red sox fans Oh my God! You know, <laughs> let's face it. I think the New England sports community, sports fan community, we're probably the worst. If you want to hear another one of my Red Sox stories, then uh, I can tell it. I can say it at the end of the show. Right, right. Well, we should save it for the supplemental. There you um, go. Right. Anyway, we'll go out on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take us out to the ball game. Right, we'll play it. We'll fade it out. Anyway, um, so. Uh, Contact at civilpoliticsradio.com is the email, at civilpoliticsfm on Twitter, and facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. That's all places to find out stuff about us. So, yeah, anyway, um, we've already done some light bantering and digressions, so uh, let's dive into something. Like, how about that horrible war happening in Europe, as opposed to, you know, the horrible war happening in the Horn of Africa or uh, the tip of the Saudi peninsula or um, mm. uh, yeah, there's others. Um, <laughs> mm. <laughs> Is there still genocide going on in Myanmar? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. How about that? Um, that war in uh, with Russia and Ukraine uh, specifically. Uh, and how the rush and how uh, Russia was um, stripped of its uh, place in the, uh, on the Security Council, the UN Security Council, Wait, and it then it tried of, to quit. It was <laughs> it was actually stripped from the Security Council. I thought it was stripped for just from the Human Rights Commission or something. No, Human Rights Commission. My my bad. Human Rights. Yeah, because yeah. the Security Council is the the thing that actually has. And whatever whatever passes for power in the United Nations, it's the Security Council. Yeah, it's the Human Rights Commission because, you know, atrocities. Right. Well, and that's where all the investigations start is in the Human Rights uh, Committee. Yeah, so you, you said Russia said they quit after they got they got they suspended tried to. or removed. Yeah. Well, how they could they even to. say anything? Because once they were suspended, they can't even speak there. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, th this this was a vote in the um, actual, uh, like the full United oh, so Nations. So the, the General yeah, Assembly. The yeah. General, thank you. The uh -huh. General Assembly. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and China, yeah. China was China was one of the ones that voted no. They, well, um, China did recently sign a pact with Russia, sort of pledging to be sort of just totally aligned and committed to each other. So, yeah, ninety-three countries voted for it, uh, fifty-eight abstained, and twenty-four voted against. Yeah, which ones voted against? Uh, China, Cuba. Mm -hmm. I surprised the Congo, but 
who knows, Eritrea, uh, Iran, all the stands. I think, I think, I think the Kyrgyzstan. Congo, I think China has a lot of influence in the Congo right now. So I think they bought up all their rare earth metals and yeah, minerals. Be. Yeah. Uh, Russia itself, of course, voted no. Nicaragua, um, Syria so in other voted words, no. That makes sense. For, current Vietnam. and former client states of Russia, Vietnam. Well, Vietnam definitely doesn't want to piss off China. And, uh, you know, Cuba Zimbabwe. and Nic- Cuba, Nicaragua and Zimbabwe certainly have like some historical ties to the Russia and the Soviet Union. So, you know. Yeah. Mali, you know, it was and then a lot abstained. I didn't write down all the abstentions, but it was just um, but it passed. So that's and it took, I think, two thirds for it to pass. So that's pretty good. Yeah. So the world came together. And then today there was a, a video that came out that showed that Ukraine may have done a war crime of some kind, maybe one. Um, who knows? It's not verified yet, but it was a bunch of Ukrainian soldiers who may have shot a, a couple of Russian soldiers in their custody. But it's unclear, you know, clear, but I mean, uh, the world did the right thing. Yeah, I think. Oh, absolutely. No, R- Russia has clearly been committing massacres um even by the standards like like on the one hand i completely understand and accept the logic of war crimes and war crimes trials like i think nuremberg you know the nuremberg trials were good you know try the nazis for doing the terrible terrible things they did for sure but at the same time like there is a certain uh, absurdity to it because like there's like the whole, the, the like the 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 ineradicable core of war is murder and chaos. It's people solving differences by killing each other. Now there are times when, like I think the 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 nation of Ukraine and its people, like I don't think they got a lot of choice because it's either get killed, be conquered, you know, submit to what could be a brutal uh, Russian rule. Or run for your lives, or fight back. You know, and that's those are the options. You know, there's no like just ignore it and it all goes away and carry on as if it didn't matter because that that's not on the table. So I understand uh, why you know people in Ukraine are are taking up arms and fighting to defend against the invading Russian army. I, I get that, um, but it's still um, killing people, and it's just it's always horrible. It's always bad. You know, it's always, uh, like it's always criminal behavior. Even if we decide in whatever context that we're going to excuse it this time, like, well, it's self-defense, it's justifiable homicide. Yeah. Whatever. Like it's always bad, you know? And so, uh, it's like, I get it. Like these, like the video, assuming of course it's genuine and, you know, actually, shows what it says to purports to show you know yeah if you capture if you take someone prisoner on the battlefield like once you once they they've surrendered and you've disarmed them don't shoot them that's bad you know that's a killing in that feels different than you know we were shoot i was hiding over here and he was hiding over there and we fired guns at each other and i hit him and he died like you get that, you know, like you guys are trying to get the other guy before he gets you. That makes sense. But it's just, mm, 
Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I don't think I, I absolutely don't think uh, uh, Ukrainians should be killing Russian prisoners. And uh, I think it's also tactically and strategically dumb for them to do so. But just I that they shouldn't do it. It's morally wrong. And I, you know, I hope uh, that somebody like investigates and gets to the bottom of it. And if it happened, I hope the Ukrainian government takes steps to make sure there are consequences. You know? Hot but, take. Yeah, that's me. Hot take. Uh, no, Ooh, I have a hot take. Oh, okay. Bad things for are bad things might not be criminal, and some things that are criminal aren't bad things. Yeah, because criminal means everybody decided that you shouldn't do that. Fair it's, enough. It has nothing to do with morals, or it could have to do with morals, but. Everybody decided that this is something that we as a society have decided that's not okay to do, except in mm -hmm. these circumstances. Then there are some mm. things that are bad that are that the society or the people that make the laws have decided is fine. And is what, not you mean criminal. like you mean like evicting people from their homes in the middle of winter? Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> that is not criminal. It is a bad, immoral, and thing that shouldn't happen. So war crime is a crime. It's a thing that everybody said you shouldn't do during war, which is fine. War crime. Hmm. Uh, Sue, uh, <laughs> did you want to jump in on that before I, I – if I – I don't want to – monopolize the conversation no i was i was sort of thinking about what happened to the uh the khashoggi murder the guys that murdered khashoggi and Adnan khashoggi, the journalist yeah 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 and how horrible it was what they did to him and it wasn't a war it was yeah. done in the middle of the day at a at a in turkey at a um a, dip, a consulate uh, a diplomatic yeah. facility yeah yeah, yeah. And he was just trying to get, they lured him in because he needed papers to marry his wife. And uh, yeah, it was, it was horrifying, but they just moved that trial from Turkey where it was bad enough. Cause that's where the crime happened to Saudi Arabia where, you know, there'll, there'll be no account, accountability. I mean, I think we all know that. And well, Saudi, so. I, I, I'm very dubious that anyone who is convicted for it would be anything more than like basically a scapegoat, you know? Mm. Someone, someone has to take yeah. it. Someone yeah, they'll go the after the person it. that leaked, you know. leaked who did it or warned yeah. him ahead of time. Yeah. Or, I'm, I mean, thank I'm, God he got it on tape. We would never have known what happened to him. Yeah. But hey, that's a crime. I agree. Everybody's like, don't do that. Don't kill the, don't kill people. Except like, you know, if you have uniforms on and everything. That's fine. Right. And, and I, I, I get that. And I, I hear your distinction, but like, like a you know a terrible thing is still a terrible thing even if you want to say like oh yeah but you're wearing a uniform you had a flag so it's all fine mm -hmm. you know it's shades of eddie izzard but the other thing is just um crimes are something that like a society establishes like we are going to try and impose order on the chaos of existence and say like okay if you do this thing then there will be consequences and at the same time a war is just throwing all that stuff out the window. It's like, 
it's not acceptable for people to solve their problems with violence. Except, well, now that we're going to mm-hmm. collectively solve this dispute with violence. You know, mm-hmm. there was a great <laughs> there was a great bit years and years ago, back in the 80s. There's a, a, a comics writer named Grant Morrison was doing a writing a series called Animal Man, you know, like just sort of a second tier superhero nobody cared about. And he was able to pretty much do whatever he wanted. And so at one point he actually like Animal Man is like having this trippy experience where he basically meets Grant Morrison and Grant Morrison is sort of commenting on how superhero stuff works and whatnot. And he says, uh, you know, I've get it, we've been getting a lot of uh, uh, letters from people who want Animal Man to fight more sort of animal theme things like, you know, like this guy who's like a big game hunter, you know, like you're a vegetarian animal man, but this guy's like, he eats meat and he goes out and he likes to hunt big game. And the idea is you two fight it out to solve the underlying moral question. Like somehow that would matter. And, you know, and then you just see, he's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're fighting. And he's like, like, but don't laugh. That is how we do it in real life. And I was just, oh my God. He's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is stupid, but that yeah. is how we solve these things in reality. See, uh, my comment isn't on the right or wrongness of the war or the crimes or anything. It's the right or wrongness of us, I, what we identify as criminal. Yeah. Well, we get to do that if we win. Yeah. You shouldn't be killing people. Like, at all. But it's not a crime, so it's cool. hate that. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you 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 did this did it in a certain way like if you, you know, if they weren't soldiers and you killed them deliberately, you know, like you rounded them up and massacred them, that's a crime. Yep. You know, if you're exchanging fire, you know, like you're there you're trying to take out a sniper and so you you're firing a mortar at them and dropping shells down and oh, you blow up somebody's house by accident. Well, that's a great tragedy, but it's not mm-hmm. a crime. <laughs> it's collateral collateral it, damage. Collateral exactly. damage. So, so the UN says that uh, their rules are that you can't go into a sovereign nation and you know take things by force. Yeah. So if you're a starving country and people next door have food, would you guys ever think it was okay for them to go over and, and the other side was like hoarding the food and charging too much money for it? Would it ever be okay for another country to go, you know what, all our people are starving and you've got all this rice and wheat and you're just, you know, you need to you need to give it to us. Sure, if they can get away with it. I mean, you're asking if it's okay for Mexico to invade the U.S. That's what you're asking us. Uh, I was thinking more that Ukraine has wheat and Russia, Russia's you know, going to take over the breadbasket. That's we part of what they're doing. We have all the food. Yeah. The you people know are that, going right? hungry in Mexico because uh, of food imports to, or exports we to the United States. We have all yeah. the food. Yeah, we buy all their corn. Yeah, we buy up all their yeah. corn. We grow so much up. food. We yes. can produce the world. insane amounts of food. And then there are countries just a little bit away that are just starving. So, yeah. If if Mexico was like, hey, Texas, we're going to take your stuff and they could do it, I wouldn't want them to do it. I'd understand. Well, it's a, <laughs> believe it or not, I think it's a terrible way to solve the underlying problem. Crazy. <laughs> but, you know, 
No. Well, uh, I was just trying yeah. to separate what the UN says about sovereign territory. And if it wasn't a violent thing, it was just, uh, you know, they snuck over and stole all the all the supplies at night. Whatever. I don't. Well, I don't. I mean, here's the thing. I don't know how it doesn't become a violent thing if if there's opposition. But you know, yeah. you know, what, what you're proposing yeah. is on a national level the same as if you know, what if somebody was stealing groceries or you know, uh, uh, diapers from a supermarket because they're too broke to afford food or stuff for their babies, you know. And, you know the rule yeah. about uh, if you see someone stealing diapers, right? You didn't. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you you saw nothing. Good to know. And and yeah. you step you step aside and try to and and ask the clerk a question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The same thing. If you see somebody somebody like you Create know a distraction. Yeah, you well yep. you know. Like, oh no! If you I thought you saw juice. someone oh, shoplifting no. groceries. You in fact did not. Yes, uh, yep. you know. And I, I, I understand the logic, um, you know, and I certainly sympathize with the business that's like, yeah, but we need to, you know, like food loss is bad for us and whatnot. But yeah, fundamentally, we have problems with how we handle things like distributing food, especially because like also we waste so much food in this country. So much food basically is thrown out uneaten. It's just hard. I think yeah. that I'm, if Mexico I'm, like staged a, a black ops, like, like infiltration and just stole a whole walmart full of food or so or like yep. a like a ton of food. the trucks back over yeah the and they and they didn't yep. get caught or anything and people would just woke up yeah. so like where did that walmart go and i'd be like oh good job <laughs> you know what they, they snuck across and, and rustled a whole lot of cattle yeah if you if they took like five thousand cows and just made it back across the border i'd be like hey <laughs> they did a good good job guys i can't really do anything about that yeah. <laughs> well and i just kind of you know i think as a as a world we kind of we're going to struggle especially with climate change we're going to struggle with these moral dilemmas we're really going to struggle with them because especially you know yeah I don't yeah. think it's a really dilemma, but you know. Well, especially because like uh <laughs> do you really think we're gonna take the necessary drastic action in the next three years? Nope. Oh, I saw that. That was the IPCC, right? Their new report mm -hmm. that yep. we have three years to to do it, or we're doomed. Well, well I think we're oh, doomed. I didn't think we were gonna do it at all. No, we have three yeah. we have three years to 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 sort of Decrease. Bend the yeah. to, to to flatten the curve, as it were. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. it's gonna get bad. It's bad and it's gonna get worse. But we can stop it from getting horribly, you know, horrifically worse, like civilization collapsing worse, if mm -hmm. we if we work at it. And it's like, yeah, okay, well, that's not sounds happening. like a good idea. Um, yeah, it's not yeah. happening. Well, it's never the, gonna happen. The good, we're screwed. The good news from the the war is that Europe is looking at their reliance on natural gas and oil and going, shoot, we need to change our ways. So maybe yeah. it'll give them a little, I think I said that last week too, but I think it'll give a little, there's certainly more impetus for change right now with what's going on with Russia and everybody, they may get shut off. They may have no choice. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. shut them off or send, send all their gas and oil to China and, Europe will be screwed because they're so reliant on it and they haven't moved. You know, they haven't really moved on it. That's just so. Europe. They've taken, yeah, that's just Europe. Europe has moved a bit further than the United States, but 
you know, at this point, this the 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 next step is are, are measures that we should have taken twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Is the problem, yeah. you know, like like if we were if if Al Gore were president and we were talking about like <laughs> just thinking you know, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, scaling back emissions and and whatnot and you know modest market based incentive strategies and whatever, like we'd be. You know, th- those might not have been enough, but we'd be like, all right, no, look, guys, we got to do more. We- we'd be sitting here and saying we have to do more, and then we'd be having that argument. But, like, we'd have certainly bought more time. And uh, Do you think American yeah. industry prevented him from being president for that very reason? I don't know how much of it was American industry and how much of it was just, you know, Republican shenanigans, uh, you know, the opportunistic uh, power grab of a bunch of white supremacists. But, you know, sure. Oh, yeah. you're sp- speaking my language. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't say it like that, Sue. <laughs> you actually well, sounded just... like like interesting. <laughs> Anyway, well, um, I I remember when Shell Oil, not the current president of Shell Oil, but who back in like the 80s and 90s said that we can't continue like this. And, you know, he was retiring, but his parting shot was, you know, this oil company is going to destroy us and that we need to make changes and, you know, sort of. And it's, you know, you see these few visionaries and, you know, they're silenced or they're, you know, run out of town or. I don't know, but I think we're going to oh. have a lot of displaced it, people from climate change, and oh, I think yeah. the um, we we already not, do, we yeah, already do, yeah, we do, and it's just uh, going to get worse. Fun fact: Big Oil, like a bunch uh-huh. of oil CEOs, testified before Congress, and they're like, and Congress oh, was like, what, "What's going on with this with this oil stuff, guys? What's why is it why so are prices so high?" And yeah. they're like, "It's it's a global market. It's not our fault." Shut up. Yeah, <laughs> it's your fault. It's all your fault. We know it's your fault. I heard That's... a really good um, piece. I forget where it was, so forgive me. Um, but you know, is is the price of oil a national security issue? I think it is. And they were they were trying to explain because um, right now uh, the Democrats are sort of to some degree blaming the oil companies, and you know the Republicans are blaming. Maybe Biden. I don't know. But Joe I Biden, was, because, I you know, he's president, so he's easy. And yeah. most people are like, oh, so yeah, of course. Yeah, well, whatever. He, he touched it last. But I thought it was a pretty good. They had three points about why the why the um, oil prices are so high. And one was that I completely forgot about this. But because of covid, there was no demand and the oil companies stopped drilling. Yeah, because they left it basically in the ground. The demand was low. Well, they, and um, it's less drilling; it's more pumping out what what's already drilled. Well, I, that, I was yeah. using those terms together. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of the first thing that happened. Then the investor class uh, didn't really want to be in oil at all because of what's going on. So there's sort of a, a withdrawal there, and then um, the regulatory environment, which is you know more what my party usually blames it on. But it's it's really the regulatory environment. Do I really want to drill more? You know, sort of worried about. So it's it's sort of like there's plenty of blame to go around for this. I mean, it's really, it's it's a it it's the way markets behave. And you know, I don't know. Do you think they should just start pumping more right now if they can? You think well, the that's oil an, should? 
That's an excellent question. And since we're just past the halfway point here, why don't we uh, put a pin in that and we can deal with it when we come back from our short break. First, we're going to play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs, keep the FCC happy. And we'll be back with more civil politics uh, just after this seventh inning stretch. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. The Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton. So come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org or call 587-1011 for more information. to evidence-based radio, science and skepticism from a feminist and socialist perspective. Every week, we explore the interesting and important stories in science with a focus on the positive. Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, or at evidencebasedarada.com. That's 6 to 7 p.m. Fridays on Valley Free Radio. And we are back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow. John Roberts is over there. And Sue Timberlake is over here with uh, Sue. Uh, 
God, we were chit-chatting during our break and wound up going probably a little longer than we should have. I don't quite remember what you were asking about before the break because I'm too, too yeah, dumb we, to write it down. But it was we about were, oil prices. and We were talking it, way it? too much about Les Miserables. That's yeah, yeah. what happened. Yeah. We're, we are huge nerds in so many ways. Yeah. It's um, just my Anne Hathaway crush. I admit it. It's terrible. Um but what was it about um, the, only the effect of Russia's invasion of, of Ukraine on oil prices and black sea yeah, embargoes? Was that of, it? I, yeah, it's, sorry. It's sort of like whether um, – well, I apologize to our listeners with better attention spans than mine. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and they'll, re- they'll remember because it wasn't an hour between – It was – we talked for 10 minutes about 15 different subjects <laughs> in the break. It's okay, Mike. Um, So we were talking about, you know, sort of oil prices and whose fault it is and whether a country can invade another country, um, you know, their sovereign. If, if, you know, uh, it turns out that the Russians are blockading Odessa and the Black Sea. And, you know, their ultimate goal is to get that port. But right now, the Ukrainians aren't getting anything in or out because they've got basically, you know, a naval blockade. And, you know, what's that? What? How's that going to end up? And I started to um, during our break say, "What if? What if we get sucked into this? You know, what if we get sucked into this war?" You mean more than we already are? More than we already are, and what if we really we get sucked in and we use our military like we did with the three hundred Russians that attacked us in Syria, and that was the end of them? You know, they made a tactical mistake. You know, we're quite treacherous as a company, as a country. And what if what if we do that and we push the Russians back and you know start protecting the the boundaries of Ukraine? I mean, I just can't imagine what the world looks like if that happens. Oh. Um, people dying. Wait, lots of people dying. Like a lot, yeah, like a ton. Lots more. Lots more. Well, so I would actually draw an historical parallel. Um, between the Ukraine now and the 13 North American colonies rebelling against Great Britain that became the United States. Uh, and in this in this parallel, the United States today is a bit like France then. Um, <clears throat> so ultimately, uh, that war ended with major set piece battles and battlefield and battlefield defeats of the British by the American army with some French support, uh, including some French troops for sure. But uh, the war got to the point where General Washington was able to field significant armies that were trained and capable and able to actually fight a pitched battle with the highly professional British army of the time uh, because of the long running kind of guerrilla insurgency war that had happened before then. I mean, even even when General Washington had led the army or, you know, and other colonial forces had like fought battles with the British, oftentimes it was a matter of like, you know, run, hide, sneak attack, pick the moment when you're going to fight, um, as opposed to, uh, you know, 
uh, 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 you know, our forces are massing here, yours are massing there. We're going to meet at this battlefield and we're going to going to fight it out. Um, and, you know, it's it's a bit like, man, it's a bit like that old Bill Cosby bit about like, you know, like, Ugh. you know, like we're going to hide behind the rocks and trees and everywhere. And you guys are all going to wear yeah. red and march in a straight line. And <laughs> with a white X on the front of your jacket. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and. <laughs> You know, Ukrainians forces have been able to do remarkably well against the Russians, in part because uh, they've been able because we've been equipping them with uh, a small, portable, relatively inexpensive weapons that are very effective at taking down Russian helicopters and blowing up Russian tanks and whatnot and providing the U- Ukrainians with you know, something like real-time information, apparently. So they know, like, hey, there's a Russian convoy coming in from your northeast, and so they'll know to be able to move an intercept. So even though the Russians had more soldiers um, overall, the Ukrainians were able to sort of concentrate their forces more usefully and uh, win the day at at various moments. And uh, a big part of what makes war work uh, is, uh, you know, soldiers and materiel and supplies and logistics. Um, and uh, if uh, if I can do something, if, if I can use a weapon that costs, say, you know, $10,000, which is not nothing, but if I can use a $10,000 rocket to blow up your $3 million tank and I can buy a lot of rockets (laughs) how many tanks do you have you know and at that point um the the disparities on the battlefield smooth out um there's a uh a a pretty good podcast called it can happen here uh hosted by a guy named robert evans and he did a recent episode that we can put a link in the show notes i think where he was talking about with uh with another conflict journalist about uh disinformation, how these things are covered, you know, like what we know about the war and how it's coming out and the ways different sides are trying to spin or shape the public discourse, but also some of the great innovations that are happening. And uh, apparently uh, uh, the Ukrainian armed forces have had some real success with, you know, uh, uh, private citizen drone enthusiasts have like their own little commercial drones and like, you know, like they just, you know, stuff they bought off the shelf as it were. And it's like, okay, well you hook it up with this and then we put a little thing and okay. So now you're going to fly up and you're going to drop the grenade from like a hundred feet down and blow up that, you know, little infantry platoon platoon right there. And like, apparently that's been tremendously effective. I've heard that 11 IT guys and they have like four wheel four wheel vehicles that they're using like uh, to carry bombs to blow up things. Yeah. yeah it's, sure. It's, uh, well, it, you know, is for the, the mother of innovation sometimes. It, it certainly it can is. be, but it's usually I think it, it is in, in, in terms of ever since certainly the second world war and maybe even earlier, the first world war, uh, you know, having, air superiority, being able to like fly overhead and, and drop bombs and strafe and shoot people on the ground without fear of reprisal 
has been a major, major advantage. It's been one of the, it, it can easily be a deciding factor in how a battle goes and thus how an overall war goes. Um, and for a long time, for example, one of the great Russian advantages, Soviet advantages in Afghanistan was they had the armored hind helicopters that were basically, you know, couldn't be taken down by uh, the Mujahideen because they just had rifles and, and weren't capable of, of damaging them. And Stinger missiles made a difference. Uh, and it's, it's the same thing, only more so now. So cheap, inexpensive, cobbled together approaches are proving effective against, uh, you know, high and expensive military gear. And I think what we're going to see uh, because of this is like, I think we're going to see some real changes in how. Nations b build up arsenals, prepare for war, and I'm sure there are people in the Pentagon who are sweating bullets over what this will mean the next time the United States decides to throw its weight around somewhere in the world because you know we're going to. But uh, right now, I think it means that the United States doesn't have to get directly involved uh, to keep the Ukrainians from collapsing. You know, and arguably, maybe, maybe even if, if Russia were doing better, and we we would ultimately let Ukraine fall rather than fight the Russians directly. I don't know. Like, like we have to see how things go. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we made, you know, our government made that choice to prevent, you know, escalating to a global nuclear exchange. But right mm -hmm. now, we can keep sending them lots and lots of relatively cheap munitions, you know, like rockets and mortars and, and battery packs for drones and things like that. And, you know, you know, sell, you know, satellite phones so we can keep them updated on what's going on. Like, oh, we see the Russians going over here and doing this and that and the other thing. And, uh, you know, and then, yeah, like a, a huge part of the Ukrainian economy is going through their Black Sea ports. But at least for now, uh, especially because so many people have left the country, uh, it's possible that we might be able to sustain them just by running more trains in from, you know, Poland and Moldova and, you know, from from the West, you know, trains and trucks. It's it's not like we can't ship things in there. It's just it's easier to ship things in bulk on, on a ship. I mean, literally, that's why they call it shipping. <laughs> so anyway. Well, Two quick things, one on innovation. Oh. So, you know, last week we talked about how they dropped 3G and it messed up the Russian communication. So the story yeah, 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 yeah. This, week, mm -hmm. this week is that they, um, the, the other thing the Ukrainians did is they shut down through their phone systems uh, the country code 95, which is Russia. <laughs> Wait, the Ukraine <laughs> shut down the Russian phone system? Yeah. No, well, they shut being down. Able to you communicate. can't dial out. Yeah, you couldn't dial out to nine five they just they just blocked it i thought that was brilliant i don't know how oh, long they did so in other words if i'm I, i'm a russian soldier and i've got like a cell phone i'm like hey uh i'm okay. trying to get through to command and like hello <laughs> beep, 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 beep. oh that's clever yep, exactly and the other thing is i'd argue a little bit against um the ukrainians being able to sustain it because in the north and the south there's a lot more a lot less open land and where the Russians are in the Donbass, from what I understand, it's going to be open fields, which is a much different kind of warfare. It is so much harder I, to do an ambush out when you camp behind the rock, yeah. hide behind the rocks and trees and everywhere. Yeah. And, 
And a lot of those weapons that we're giving them don't have that kind of range. Some of the, the bigger sure. ones that they want do, the switch switchblade drones and all that. But they are saying that the Ukrainians are going to have a tougher time as they as everything's focused in the Donbass yeah. region, which I guess is what Russia's doing. So um, I, I just don't think we can afford to have them lose. The Ukrainians lose. And they're, they're saying now that they might win. I mean, people are starting to say... You know, the Ukrainians could actually win this, but I don't know if they can drive Russia out because you know how the Brits had to send boats across to the U.S. to, you know, the 13 colonies to to make us submit. And they had to send mm-hmm. troops and do all that. Well, Russia's right there. They've got all their troops right on the border. So they don't you know, it's a little it's a little different. And we're the ones that are sending things from far, far away on the other side. I don't know. We haven't heard much from genre. Uh, I was trying to find uh, an article about the phone thing. I was not able to get. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, I, I heard it on C-SPAN, so I was like, they did? <laughs> but they well, said it was 9-5 nine, nine yeah. that they killed in their um, switching system so that you couldn't you couldn't dial 9-5. Well, I'll let John look, look for that article <laughs> for a moment. I, I would say that absolutely the logistics of uh, – uh, Supplying of army that's right over your border is certainly easier than that of supplying uh, an army that's on the other side of the Atlantic during the age of sail. So, yeah, you're 100% right on that. But, um, you know, like a big part of why the war has gone so badly for Russia is they're apparently not all that good at the logistics of putting an army in the field. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that was and, a surprise. I, it is and it isn't. Uh, it, like from what I've read, and again, you know, I'm not an expert in military history and whatever, but this is like the 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 people I've read. You know, like I don't, I I've drawn a total blank at everybody's name, but anyway, like dudes, people I've read have suggested that you know historically. Russia has has not really ever been like all that good at uh, taking the offensive in war. That Russia has been really, really good at making people pay for invading their territory. And that's certainly true. Um, but, uh, you know, when the Russia when, when the Russian Empire invaded uh, the invaded Crimea in the 1850s, uh, trying to take it from from the Ottomans, uh, that was a, a big, complicated and messy endeavor that nearly went badly. And even uh, in World War II, uh, once they went on the offensive and started rolling the uh, Nazi armies back, um, it's worth noting that a big part of what made that possible was uh, logistical support from the United States um, to the point where – and this is something I didn't know until a couple of years ago – but we were actually – like you know, we were allies, so it was certainly known that we were supplying them, but like, like we were actually secretly flying flights, like planes loaded with stuff to, uh, uh, across from Alaska into Russia to their, to train depots in Siberia and just be like, okay, take everything and, and the, and the planes, another plane, you can have a bomber. And we just send the troop, send the pilots back on the, you know, on a ship or whatever. So like, like Russia was absolutely getting critical materials from the United States and probably couldn't have maintained the war. Uh, well, I didn't know that. Without, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't find anything. I saw and, like one link, but mm-hmm. yeah. um, but it 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 uh, you have to pay for it. So. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure it was a C-SPAN, you know, one of those folks again talking about why the Ukrainians are doing as well as they're doing, you know, mm. one of the inside military guys. I'm seeing I'm a lot of articles about like tech firms uh providing internet. Uh, yeah, free internet for Ukrainians. So that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a thing. You know, we haven't talked about all the stuff going on in the US. All the horrible stuff. <laughs> That's true. John was talking about. <laughs> well, happy birthday to me. Katanji Brown Jackson was confirmed for the Supreme Court, so the judge will soon be the justice. That's good. Yay. First black woman judge ever. Yep. Which, yay ever. and boo. Um, well, better late than never. I guess. Uh, <laughs> and she's young, so she'll be on for till 2050, somebody was saying. Nice. Well, this would yeah. be at least. She, I I like I like least. the idea that a woman who's my age is young. I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Especially hey, medical technology being what it is. That's true. I you know I'm fully looking forward to being grafted onto like a cyborg ape body. You know, and be let's like, go you know, gorilla grog Just... or something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Not yeah. the ultra, not the ultra humanite, humanite. Oh well, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I could see Gorilla that too. Gorilla Grodd, come on, man. What's Let's get the Grodd? deep dive. Gorilla Grodd's a pretty deep dive, I think, for most of our listeners, and also it has better alliteration. Oh, okay. I'll I'll give you that one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough about gorilla-themed DC supervillains. <laughs> there are so many. Um. <clears throat> Uh, and I wish somebody a, a happy birthday too. Please who I, do. I just celebrated his birthday today, but his birthday was actually April fifth. Turned eighty five, and he's one of my more interesting friends who was a pilot and a mercenary, and he's still going strong. So paints his own cars and works on all kinds of things. So, well, happy it's, birthday, uh, car painter. He, yes. Yeah, Richard. I call him Sir Richard because he's. I think he's. <laughs> Polish royalty, but oh. anyway, happy birthday, Sir Richard. Yeah, but yeah. It's, um, people are living longer, and they're they're more active, and you know, can even be president as an old fart. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess we've had a couple of presidents show show that, but so yeah, Katanji Brown Jackson. I heard today that she is the only. She will be when she's put in installed. Will be the only federal, only justice that was a federal defender. Because I guess Thurgood Marshall was a defense attorney, but he wasn't at the federal level. He wasn't a public so, defender. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was a defense yeah, attorney. He so, wasn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, he wasn't a public defender. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, they said first federal defense attorney. So I thought that's pretty good. So I she is love highly it. qualified. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's right now she's the fourth woman on the court. So four down, five to go. That's unless we expand dark. 
<laughs> what? I, it sounds I, like I, a hit list or something. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm planning to just go out there well, and pew, pew, pew. No, no, no. Don't, don't, no. He, no, he didn't. He didn't say that at all. CIA, please don't come here. <laughs> I'm, I'm in no <laughs> way serious, <laughs> but. Well, you're a white guy, so I the, think you'll be fine. No, no, no. I'm just meaning right at the moment, there are, like, she will be woman number four serving on the current Supreme Court. Yeah, true. And, uh, you know, complicated, you know, she has a somewhat complicated legacy, but I absolutely 100% agree with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, as she said, you know, when will there be enough women on the court when there are nine? And she didn't. Yeah, she didn't say fifty-one percent. She said nine. Well, you right. got to make up for one hundred and forty years of right. Well, you know. because like, was it too many when you had nine men on the court? Was it too many? Well, no. So you know, I mean, by by no means do we need to to bring in you know scrubs and fools and you know the female equivalent of me. But you know, like, there's a lot of capable women in this country. <laughs> you know, let's just put some nine on the black court. women. Just put them all on there. Well, I, you know, um, we don't need, we don't need to like, like get rid of the people who are already on there, but also, yeah, uh, I'm fine. I'm fine with getting rid of a few of them. I'd, All right. I'd but like, also I'd on like top to of that, more diversity of religion. That's my, oh, wow, 100%. my thing this, this week. hundred yeah. uh, percent. And also, maybe the atheist or agnostic. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I want a pagan. Yeah. Ooh, that would be fun. I want a pagan. Let's go. Let's go with that. I want to like that. I want, I want a Jedi. I want someone who's like, I'm one with the force and the force is with me, you know, <laughs> like Donnie Yen in that Star Wars movie. <laughs> hey, he could be blind and do Kung Fu. That would be great. <laughs> oh, God. It just took us such a turn. <laughs> so fun fact. Um, I'm, we, I'm doing my thing. Two we of the- let Mike do it because it's his birthday. <laughs> No, no, um, no. <laughs> nope. All right, producer, John uh, multiple uh, Republican mm. senators voted against um, voted against Judge Jackson's confirmation from the cloakroom. What does that mean? Uh, uh, that so mean? there is there there are rooms like in the Capitol called the congressional coat rooms, and those are like little mini offices or meeting places where senators can go. And and like talk we'll in private and everything, yeah. So yeah. the thing is that Lindsey Graham, Jim Inhofe, Jerry Morin, oh. um, and uh, um, and Paul were not on the floor. They were Rimple? not dressed correctly because there are decorum rules. You have to be in a suit and tie to get on the floor. Oh, okay. So Lindsey Graham was just in a blazer and a polo and they're like no you can't do that you can come in here so all of them poked their head in and did a thumbs down and then left because they couldn't actually enter the senate chamber because they weren't dressed correctly how disrespectful how disrespectful well the, the technically they are like in the middle of a recess so they probably just came back and they're like, we'll just do this vote and leave. But they didn't. But um, I haven't confirmed this, but I, I heard that Lindsey Graham was actually like in a suit and tie for a TV appearance. So it might it might be just like their little snub. Yeah. I don't know. 
I I would be. I gotta say, I'm just surprised that they have offices. You know, not tiny little closets, but proper offices with like multiple mm-hmm. rooms and whatnot. And some of them, anyways, I know have washrooms and whatever. Uh, you know, in that building. So it mm-hmm. seems kind of crazy to me that they couldn't keep like a couple of you know, like a couple of clean suits or clean whatever. Shirts. They do. Always, they, they just didn't do. want to. They just didn't yeah. want to. They probably and honestly, they probably didn't want to show their faces on the floor to like to vote against the first black woman to hold that position. That's probably what it is. They're just I think scared. that's amazing considering the the jackassery they were subjecting the country to during the confirmation hearings. So I mean, you know, <laughs> jackassery and actual voting are two very different things. Mm, like um like someone actually casting a an official vote, vote yeah. is is much much different from just acting the fool because you know but that's a that's going on a record and they're putting themselves on the record but they didn't want to be like in the they probably didn't want to be on camera voting against her and just losing so they probably just took off like and they were just wearing normal clothes so they wouldn't be allowed in the chamber they'd be like oh i can't get in jerks anyway <clears throat> just mm. like i said like i say cowards just cowards my party's gonna gonna pay for this we're gonna pay for not voting in favor for i i believe i i, so. I wish but to pay for something I, I you think- have to actually find something of worth to, to lose and that is shame <sighs> Y'all are shameless. Shameless. <laughs> uh, Leave the party. <laughs> so the music is playing, and incidentally, I'm a I believe... lifelong Republican. I'm not leaving the party. I'm Leave sorry. the party. <laughs> okay, guys, we, we do have to wrap up. The music is playing. I do think it's noteworthy that this music is a, a, a song by... Uh, 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 this is the Pet Shop Boys, and I believe the song is called "Getting Away with It." So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. But anyway, we're gonna get away with it now here on Civil Politics. So, thanks for listening to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. Coming up next is Subculture, followed by Table of Contents at ten and OK Asia at midnight. Uh, we'll have a podcast of the show going out uh, for Monday morning and uh, Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. We'll have a repeat broadcast. So listen to us all over again. But thanks for listening now. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.